It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. And right now it's Daniel Wicardio, SCNZ cricket commentator. Uh, you would have had enough sleep, right, to have a chat about this, have you? Oh, enough, Stephen, to get by. Yep. Um, a bit of shake and bake I'm looking for. <laughs> Still one of my fave movies, I've got to say it. I, I, I lasted yeah, to, I lasted till the like the 17th over the New Zealand the New Zealand chase. Um, that was oh, it's a long time since I've sat down and made notes, looked at a game, going, "Wow, this this is this is all right cricket." But what scared me most of all was how efficient England were. Yeah, especially with the ball, um, probably less so in their field by their pretty uh, darn high standards. Uh, there were a couple of little mischances uh, from uh, England. I'm thinking of the drop, catch oh. Moeen Ali oh, to yeah. Glenn Phillips, which is quite staggering. I'm, I'm not sure if all of our listeners have seen a replay of it, but like, if it goes down in an under-10s game, you're yeah, probably shaking your head. Something you and I um, would do. So, <laughs> yeah, so real slice of luck there, New Zealand. But they're a very professional outfit. Um, you know, Mark Wood bowls Thunderbolts. Uh, Chris Wokes is very good bowling in the power play and at the death. Uh, they've got spin options with Livingston, a third spin option. actually did a good job. So the, I, I wouldn't say they're the most threatening attack. They don't swing the ball prodigiously early, but they, they don't give you much. And when you've got a score defending 179 as they had on the board, it was always going to be difficult. And, and you pro- I think you made it probably a, a good uh, decision to walk away because it did look like New Zealand were out of the running with uh, three, three overs remaining, especially once. Phillips departed for for another fine hand. Okay, okay. So this is not a criticism. This is an observation. But gee, the the skipper Kane Williamson just a bit slow on the get go, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. It's something um, myself and Grant Elliott have talked about ad nauseum on our program on a Saturday. We're, we're genuinely concerned um, about his position in the batting lineup. Is number three the most appropriate spot for this player? Who, let's be frank, is a wonderful world-class test oh, cricketer and one-day international player, but you just look at the raw numbers, and um, you know people might see this as a criticism, but when I suggest over the last two calendar years, um, you know, from the start of 2021 um, and 22 T20 internationals, the strike rate is about 115. Uh, Stephen, and, and unfortunately, that's just not good enough at this level. You look at you look at the England batting lineup, which is just dynamic, up uh, top to tail. Everyone has a strike rate of 130. Um, Darwin Milan, um, who was their specialist number three, who works the ball around. Well, he didn't come out to bat because of the platform laid. Um, he came in at number eight or nine and only got one ball right at the end. So they have a little bit more flexibility, maybe a little bit more guts to make a call uh, in game. And, you know, the New Zealand captain 
has uh, sucked up a lot of balls so far in this tournament, and his strike rate is just 93. Um, maybe, maybe I'm hoping that, uh, you know, time in the middle will, will, will help him sort of release the shackles for these, um, you know, essentially elimination games. Uh, tell me tell me if this was a significant figure. By the 17th over, the English had bowled 35 dot balls. Yep, it, it, it always is a significant number, um, of the dot balls. I just thought that's a lot uh, of dot our, balls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, indeed. Especially on a wicket that that show, England even showed it that um, you had to get really in uh, to get set to, to find the boundary um, in their late uh, stages of their innings when uh, the wicket started to tumble as they chased a really big score. A lot of players came and went, and we saw that with the New Zealand innings. In fact, there's, there's a mirror image as far as the middle to, to lower order. There were just two scores of substance in the England mm, that's uh, innings, correct, yeah. um, two half centuries. Hales was excellent. Um, in the opening six overs, he really led the way. And once he was gone, it was um, Joss Butler taking over the man of the match display. And w- when I look back at the game, Stephen, if, if we're crunching numbers and pulling out little segments yeah. of the game, I probably reflect on the, the power play, New Zealand with the ball. There was slices of luck going England's way. Hales, I, I can't believe, still didn't get bowled um, in that first over oh, God, uh, yes. by Trent Bolt. Um, but but overall, I think England finished 48 without loss. So that's, that's no correct. wicket. Good, good, good run rate. New Zealand this year in 2022 have been quite superb with the white ball in the opening six overs. They've been averaging 2.3 wickets a game. Uh, so they're knocking off the top. And uh, England uh, were afforded that luxury to, to then be able to roll the die, bring some players to, who look for the boundary uh, more often than not. Um, so I, I think if New Zealand match up against England again, they're going to have to find a way to yeah. at least get one, two, if not more, in the, in the, in the opening six. Yeah. When you break it down, I was thinking about this when, when you were talking about it. You know, 48 for without loss after the power play, the first six overs, right? That's, that's England. But funnily enough, despite it looking like they were grinding their teeth, New Zealand were only down two and they had scored 40 runs. And then you go to the 15th over, use this as a comparison, going because of the way uh, two significant batters for England played, you know, Josh Butler 73 of 47. You know, by the 15th over, the English were 125 for two. New Zealand were 123 for three. So I... I, yeah, I, that was, I that was, sorry, Stephen. That was after a massive over. Glenn Phillips uh, taking to Adele yeah. Rashid, hitting him for consecutive sixes over the mid-wicket region. Um, but uh, but, the, but, the, but, but the numbers through. are there, Daniel. Right? I mean, the numbers were there. That the fact that the Black Caps couldn't get on with it. You know, they they were well in the hunt, well in the hunt, and then uh, Phillips get, goes. You know, yeah. We, we described the the Mark Woodover when he uh, picked up a wicket and conceded Sorry. just three runs. It's really a game defining match. You're, you're so right. It was uh, well positioned. It was fifty fifty on the win. Uh, predictor, um, and uh, Grant described in the next three overs, uh, this game is going to be determined, and lo and behold, Mark Wood came out and bowled an absolute beauty. Uh, and credit to him, uh, his genuine pace, gee, he's, um, he's, some, he's frightening. He bowled the fastest ball of the tournament last night, I think at 155 k's. No thank you very much, I say to that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there you go, back to that um, you know, professional performance from England. They were able to turn to a guy on a, on a wicket that... Uh, it was interesting hearing Alex Hales and both Joss Butler, who got half centuries, describe it as not your traditional gabble wicket. It wasn't really coming onto the bat. It was a little bit too paced. So just to that point of uh, when players uh, got in, they, they needed to make the most of it. And Joss Butler did that. He batted through to the 19th over. 
uh, and that was hugely important. Um, at one end, while England were losing wickets, uh, they had one player at the other who was able to maintain a decent scoring rate, and ultimately they finished 20 runs a year. If you're the Black Caps, were you concerned that your seam has got punted around? Southie, one for 43, Bolt, none for 40, Ferguson, two for 45. Would that be of a concern? Or, I mean, we, we can't predict what their mindset was going to this one, knowing their, their net run rate was stronger. Uh, no, I'd I probably take a, a wider sort of brief when I assess the New Zealand bowlers. Um, I, I thought they were really encouraging signs from Lockie Ferguson. I thought it's probably the slowest of the New Zealand bowlers to get into the, his work this tournament. I thought his death overs, uh, the last two in particular, very, very good. Saudi uh, was tapped uh, quite heavily in one over, uh, but they pulled it back quite nicely. This is a very good New Zealand bowling lineup. In fact, they're a bowling side more than a batting side, I would argue. Uh, and you look at the efforts of uh, Mitchell Santner and uh, Isodi. They were excellent. In fact, they brought in Mitchell Santner, I think, to the fourth over of the innings. Uh, that was designed really to attack Alex Hales, who was flying at that stage, um, after really um, you know, licking his chops and taking a liking to Tim Southey in the third over. Be- because the numbers uh, backed it up that um, prior to the game, uh, it struggled to get Santner away. Santner got him out twice uh, before in T20 cricket. Mate, that three... Oh, I've just dropped the headset. Bear with me. I'm back now. Um <laughs> Uh, that's now three times as he uh, picked him up stump. So I, I'm not all that worried about the bowling. I, I'm, I, I worry about this New Zealand side. Um, if they have to chase another total of, say, around 180, I, I think if they can set targets of 160, their bowling lineup is going to make it very difficult for any side. Um, so it's, it's now about responding, uh, getting the job done against Ireland. I know Ireland did beat England, and there'll be you know, some masochistic New Zealand cricket fans out there probably thinking the worst. But, but I would argue if New Zealand uh, can't beat Ireland, they don't deserve to make it through to the semi-final. So you take a win by one run, um, and that probably should still be enough because I spent hours poring over the, the numbers here, Stephen, because it's going to go to net run rate. And what I mean by hours, um, I've basically stolen this <laughs> off Crick Info. Thanks very much to them. Uh, even if New Zealand win by one run, Australia will have to win by around 152 runs. Oh, my gosh. To go past New Zealand on net run rate, while England by um, 95 runs, of course. But if New Zealand slip up against Ireland, well, they need one of England or Australia to lose their games against uh, Sri Lanka and Afghanistan, respectively. And, 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 here's, and, my big, here's my big tip. Okay. Australia's going to burgle their way into the semifinals. It's just written in the stars for me. Um, and, and the thing that uh, decided it, and I need to probably check on this today, but Rashid Khan, the Afghanistan league spinner, the only real threat um, I see in their bowling lineup, limped off in the last over of the game against Sri Lanka yesterday. So I can just see Australia rolling over the top of Afghanistan and somehow, some way, sneaking into the semi-final. And who would want to play them in a knockout game at home? No one in their right mind. So it would be it would be New Zealand, Australia in the semis. No, they no, they don't they don't play them. They they swap it over on the groups, don't they? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, just right one, one final thought. You talk about us being uh, the, the New Zealand side being a bowling lineup. Finn Allen versus Guptill. After last night, I'd say, isn't it about time the Gupster came back? No. Wow. Why not? No. Uh, because I, I think uh, Allen showed in game number one what he's capable of. I, I look at Martin Guptill as a player who needs a few balls to get into his lineup, uh, get into his work, and then. It's not. This is nothing against Martin Gupta. No, no, no. Or how the New Zealand top order is constructed. Uh, you've got Devon Conway. Uh, you've got Kane Williamson. Sort of, you know, touch players. Uh, who's 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 someone that can go at a, a screaming rate to, you know, to give you real impetus 
um, in the power play. I still think Allen's probably the best bet. Uh, Martin Guptill's best work in Australia has traditionally come in, in one-day cricket. Uh, so I, I would still stick with that uh, lineup of, of Allen up the top. This is becoming a power play World Cup. There's been so many wickets in the power play, uh, and if you can get off to a flyer, a la what we saw against Australia, remember that New Zealand was so far ahead of the game after six overs, Australia were never really in it. So uh, I, I still like a bit of a, a, attacking intent of that opening six overs. You fight fire with fire, and uh, hopefully it comes off. Maybe it's my conservative nature, Daniel. All right, we'll go go get a... Well, go, he's been get, a great servant of New Zealand cricket, that's why, isn't he? Oh, I just think, Daniel, when, you, when you're in a position where you need a settled head... And that's taking nothing away from Phelan, but you know he's got run. Excuse the bad cliche. He's got runs on the board. He understands, you know, the the the, the mental game of cricket very well, uh, Martin Gupt. And I just think, and you know what he can do. And maybe it's just one knock he needs to get his confidence back. And and in a tournament like this, you probably want someone settled. But I, I also like your attitude about the. I love your attitude about the power play World Cup. So hey, we'll just wait and see, mate. Nice call last night. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Anytime, Stephen. Shake and bake. Have a good day. <laughs> when making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.